Thank you. You can open your Bibles today to the book of Romans, chapter 1. And um, I did have a, a, um, a slide to put up, but um, it's not working properly. So, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a four-part series out of the book of Romans. And this, obviously, is part one. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> so the, um, the series is about encouraging one another, um, uplifting one another, um, praying with one another, and all of these, uh, there's a lot of areas in Romans that Paul says that we must... Um, encourage to do to one another. So today I want to talk about encouraging one another. Excuse me. One of the highest of human duties folks, is the duty of encouragement. And as you probably know, it's very easy to pour cold water on somebody else's enthusiasm. It happens quite a lot in the workplace. And um, a lot of people do that, which is not so good. It can be very easy to discourage others, but the scriptures are full of people who encourage one another. The world, or worldly people, or people without Christ, some discourage others and some encourage others. It's a bit of a mixed bag. But we have a Christian duty to encourage one another. And many times a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or a cheer has kept people on their feet. Uh, I want to read out of verse 12, Romans 1.12. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. As Christians, we are called to encourage one another. Now, I want to talk about this idea that comes out of um, Proverbs 27. It's called, Iron Sharpens Iron. And friendly intercommunication hones the personality it's not about you per se but it's about God and it's about others I remember when I was at Sunday school the teacher 
<clears throat> showed me an acronym of the word joy, and I've never forgotten it. It's Jesus, others, yourself. And if you put Christ first or put Jesus first, then you put others second and yourself last, you will be full of joy. You will be full of joy. It is far better to give than to receive. Yay! Hallelujah for that. It is encouragement. It is far better to give than receive. It used to be common uh, to see the host at the table, and this is in what I would call the olden days, but the host would stand up before the meal and get the knife and the steel and carve the roast. I don't know if you remember those days. Maybe they still happen in your house. Maybe the roast is already pre-carved in the kitchen before it gets to the table. <clears throat> Sorry? Oh, the electric knife. That's it. <clears throat> Okie doke. So, um, so just as the action of the knife on the steel is iron sharpening iron yeah and that's kind of the point I'm, 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 I want to bring that the interchange of ideas among people makes them more acute in their thinking <coughs> and uh, that's why we have sharing time it's why we have Bible studies and in particular discussion type Bible studies where everybody has a say. And in that sense, we sharpen each other. <clears throat> Sharpening each other's opinions helps us to broaden our view. Asking questions sharpen, sharpens our wits. <clears throat> Many years ago, perhaps in 2002 or three, I was presenting a one-day conference in Swan Hill about the origins of the Bible, how it was written, when it was written, who wrote it, and we also was talking about translations. <clears throat> and I want to give you an, an example about... There was a lady there who kept interjecting in, uh, in, in a lot of my presentation and she had quite some tunnel vision and had obviously not consulted others or uh, about this topic she was talking about. And she was actually inferring or saying that the only translated scripture or the only translated Bible was the King James. That was the only one that was the true Bible, the true scriptures, was the authorised version of the King James. And of course, that's simply not true. It's not true. Um, 
most Bibles in the 20th and the 21st century have all been translated, with the exception of a few, but have all been translated from the same original text. They've just changed the language a bit to suit the language of the day. <clears throat> and so this lady had not consulted others about her view. She had tunnel vision. But the point I want to make is that with iron sharpening iron, with having discussions about different uh, aspects of Christianity, we do become more broader in our outlook and more, um, oh, what's the word? More rounded in our view, uh, which leads to a greater understanding of the scriptures and, and therefore a greater understanding of God and how Christianity is intended to be outworked in our lives. <clears throat> the quote is from Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As Christians gather for fellowship, they share, well, they share the revelation of Scripture. You know, you read the Bible and you go, whoa, that's interesting. I didn't read that before. I haven't read that before. I didn't understand You've received the revelation of Scripture. And there's lots of things that we can talk about. Last week's teaching or the latest testimony or I got a word from the prophet last week and I'm not understanding it so well. So you go and talk to people about it and try to get some insight. Let iron sharpen iron and so let a person sharpen their friend. The idea is that people grow from the interaction they have with each other. To a large extent, we probably already do this. I'm sure most of us do this. Encouragement is received during our sharing time, as we shared today. Also, our discussion style, which I mentioned, in home groups, and also through calling and visiting each other. This is a good thing as, shine, as iron sharpens iron and it all goes together to build up and not just this church but the body of Christ. <clears throat> we are called, as we read in Romans 1.12, to encourage one another. I want you to note... Um, Paul's humility and his graciousness, talking about the Apostle Paul, and he was not above being helped by other saints. And I want to ask you, can you receive help and encouragement from other Christians? Yes. Yes. It's good, isn't it? It's good to give, but it's also good to receive help when it's needed. Paul is talking about, in one aspect, ministering to one another. And even today, 
Uh, prayers were offered for Elsie, who's here with us. Prayers were also offered to other church members who are home, sick, unable to be here. And we lift them up in that way. Remember that ministry is defined as serving within the structure of the church. <clears throat> we have been given spiritual gifts and God expects us, expects us to use them both within the body of the church and also outside of the church. Encouraging one another is more than using spiritual gifts. Practicalities also come into everyday life. Sharing the God stuff, you know, from here, is only the beginning. If we're going to talk the talk, then we also need to walk the walk. Or is it the other way around? It doesn't matter, it works both ways. Encouraging um, one another is what it's all about. And what about putting our faith to work in different ways than we might think, but inviting someone round home for a meal is putting your faith to work. Helping someone to do their shopping or any other sorts of little jobs is putting your faith to work. <clears throat> Preparing a meal for someone who's sick is putting your faith to work. And there are many ways that we can help others. And I encourage you to do that whenever the time arises. I know from time to time I've been the beneficiary of people's generosity and I'm sure we all have from time to time. I love the simple idea of putting our faith to work. These are very practical ways of helping one another and a great way to outwork our Christianity. I think outworking our Christianity is not all about listening to the sermon or singing great worship songs or sharing the revelations of scripture. They are important for sure. But there's the everyday aspect to Christianity. <clears throat> we are called to encourage one another. God has good news. It is promised in the Old Testament and centred in Jesus Christ. He came to earth. He died and rose again. He saves all who will trust in him. He alone purchased salvation. And this message must be preached to the whole world. Why? Because the gospel alone and this is the nuts and bolts of the gospel message. But the gospel alone is the power of God to salvation. 
And I guess there are two powers at work in the hearts and souls of human beings. One is the power of sin and the other is the power of God. Can anyone tell me which is the strongest? Spot on, Chris. The power of God will overcome the power of sin on any given day. Irrespective of weather or any other factors, light or darkness, does not matter. The power of God will win at the end of the day. We will see the pearly gates from both sides. Some will see the pearly gate from only one side, perhaps, before they are whisked away. Believers should be gripped by the gospel and should be controlled by it. We should allow the gospel message to control our lives. It's about faithfulness and using your faith and believing in God and and portraying Christianity in your life. Through his church, God is calling people to Jesus Christ. The question I'm asking you, are you the church? Are you the church that is calling people to Jesus? I've got a quote here by a bloke called Stanley Jones, found it on the internet. Stanley says, Religions are man's search for God. Religions are man's search for God. But the gospel is God's search for man. I thought that was very interesting. And I started to think about some religions that I know. You know, you might think a couple of Eastern religions that you might know of, the well-known ones like Islam and Buddhism and, and so on. They are religions that are searching for God. But the gospel is God's search for man. And the irony is there are many religions but there is only one gospel. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Many religions. Many. And cults and sects. But there's only one gospel. When you encourage people through your Christianity You are doing it in the name and in the power of God. You're doing it in the name and the power of God or of Christ. That also means that when you encourage, you are being empowered by Christ. Have you ever considered that you, a believer, being empowered by Christ, 
could go up to someone and bring them encouragement that helps build them or build in them a healthy view of Christianity that helps to deepen their relationship with Christ. This is our call. We're called to encourage one another. So let me summarise this message. First, we talked about iron sharpening iron. Second, we talked about helping one another. And thirdly, we're talking about encouraging one another. Now, I'd like you to turn over to the Old Testament book of Hosea. Hosea. Chapter 11. Hosea chapter 11. Oh, what did the Spanish fireman call his two sons? The first one he called Jose. The second one he called Jose B. <laughs> okay. Moving right along. (laughs) Hosea 11. (laughs) I want to read the first four verses of Hosea 11. This is God talking. When Israel was a child... I loved him. Out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realise. It was I who healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts, little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. This is a depiction of God the Father. We don't hear about too often, do we? We don't often see God in this light as someone who cares deeply. I wonder how deeply God has cared for our lives that we don't even realise or we don't acknowledge. I think this is an absolutely beautiful passage. I want to read it again. When I was a child, I loved him. Sorry, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk. Taking them by the arms, they did not realise it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts, 
little child to the cheek. I bent down to feed them. I might preach that message one day. But I like that passage. I like that how that the way that this passage depicts God. And this passage is about encouragement, isn't it? It's about how God encouraged Israel. Even though Israel did the wrong thing time after time after time, as do we. But God still bent down and picked up Israel and held to his cheek. And God does the same with us. Sure, none of us are immune from making mistakes. And God has put a method, a plan in place where we can come to him in an attitude of repentance, a sorrowful heart, and receive his forgiveness. As Christians, we also need to teach, help and encourage one another. Not in our strength, but in his. Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word today. We give you honour and glory, Lord. And I pray with all my heart that each of us can become encouragers even more than we are. Now you will show us the way, Lord, to encourage one another, but also, Lord, to encourage those that are outside of Christianity, to lend a hand when needed, to be a friend to a work colleague or the next-door neighbour. I pray, Lord, that you will invest in each one of us, Lord, your power, that we may use it diligently and wisely and promote your gospel, Lord, throughout this land and other places that you send us. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen.